Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Gabagool, a Sopranos podcast. My name's Ben Vanell. I'm joined by Adam Knox. And Knox, I've got a question for you. Okay. In the Czech Republic, in the Czech Republic 2, we love podcasts. Ever had uh, The Sopranos? <laughs> I, I get what you're going for. <laughs> I've never heard of the sequel to the Czech Republic, The Czech Republic 2. <laughs> uh, do I need to see the first Czech Republic to understand it? Yes. Do you need to have seen Czechoslovakia and the Austro-Hungarian <laughs> Empire to understand the Czech Republic? Kind of. Those who don't learn from history yeah. are doomed to repeat it. That's a lesson we're learning yes. from the Sopranos again and again. Um, Absolutely. Another lesson we're learning from this particular episode of uh, the Sopranos, the legend of Tennessee Moltisanti, which is the mm. one we'll be talking about today is that this show is not going to stop with the dream sequences. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, we get Christopher this time. We, we're out of Tony's hair. We're into Christopher's. This whole episode is really focused on Christopher. Yeah. Uh, as you might have guessed from the title of the episode. Um, and they employ that same technique they did with Hesh in one of Tony's dream sequences for uh, Chris here. Yeah. They have him zooming around on a little dolly. Chuck him on a skateboard. He's sitting at the deli where he killed, yep. the, killed the guy who he keeps calling emails still. <laughs> Even though yes. he's been haunted yes. by the ghost of this man he murdered, he still calls him email. <laughs> uh, and yeah, his voice is kind of looping in Christopher's head saying, um, mm. yeah, yeah, have you ever... Had our pork. We love pork too in the Czech Republic. Ever had our sausages? Mm. Um, and he's watching a coffee steamer thing heat up and, you know, reach a boiling point. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, floats through the deli and has this little dream where, like, uh, there's a bunch of dream shit going on. Adriana's eating a pork thing, a sausage in a suggestive manner, and then she turns yes. into Carmella. That's right. Uh, which... I don't know, is that some Oedipus shit because she's like a mother figure to him? I don't know what that meant, actually. I was thinking that at the time. I don't. I didn't think that she represented anything in particular to him. No, um, I'm not sure Tony- if we've seen them even interact, really, other than when he goes around to their house to talk to Meadow and uh, Thingo's kid. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it is just that free association thing of like, well, if Carmella is his... Well, if Tony is his father figure, Carmella is the mother figure. Right, and he's but, just, you yeah. know, some dream shit's going on. Including this yeah. dead man wrapped in a body bag or, you know, a, a, a mob-style body bag, just plastic wrap with duct tape. And uh, he's holding, you know, they're, they're having dream David Lynchy talk where he's like, mm-hmm. give me a salami sub, hold the mayo, we're out of mayo, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, mm-hmm. And eventually this guy starts telling Chris, like, you fucked it up. Yes, yeah, yeah. I've got someone to show you. You forgot these. And he takes, he gives him a handful of bullets 
Uh, clearly, yeah, Christopher is paranoid. I don't mm. think this is meant to be some sort of genuine um, message from the afterlife or from the other side. I think this is Christopher second-guessing himself. Yeah, there's one element of it where I think he specifically says, you left three in my head, one in the table. And that's maybe the one bit that Christopher is actually kind of properly picking up on from real life mm. in his dream because like they mentioned later on he's like it was a hot gun they couldn't trace it back to us with the bullets but if he left one in the table maybe they could so right right they've been pretty specific about that uh but he's got like a helper hand he's got the thing the, from yes. the adam's family down in the cupboard or the what, yep, what coming you- through uh uh, the counter, the 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 display case, yeah. I guess, yeah, meat cupboard, yeah, and the meat cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, gets grabbed by it and gets shocked awake in a sweat. Yes, yeah. So he, um, yeah, this is all about his internal life. This episode, it's mm. his wants and dreams and fears. Um, but there is a big plot thing happening at the same time. Absolutely, and I love the the extra bit of because Chris has been like. You know, like a young hothead, we've gotten that off of him so far. But yep. for a, a sort of a junior in, not junior, junior, but a junior, junior's at the top, mm-hmm. but this junior's down the bottom. How does that? Wait, wait. wait. A, a junior? You mean Anthony Junior then? No, no, that's another. You've confused it even further. But who's on first? I'll tell you, it's Christopher, and he's doing a weird job of it. He is a very strange young man. <laughs> Uh, we learned this episode because, like, yes, he seemed competent at the soldiery type of jobs that he has to do for Tony and the mob and everything. And yep. this one definitely shows a lot more of that. Like, oh no, he's young as hell, and he is uh, <laughs> a little dim. Yeah, he's a little dim. He's a little misguided or uh, he's certainly dimmed the computer stuff <laughs> is uh yeah is insane but yeah he has different ambitions maybe than what we might have assumed yeah uh one of the he's at a wedding everyone's at this wedding um is yep. the next scene and he uh it's it's like the daughter of one of the other carpos is getting married yeah it's larry it's La- larry because larry pops up in in the next episode we've watched a couple in a row and we'll be doing that one next uh, obviously but yeah it's larry one of those carpos yeah and so uh he's he's at this wedding gives a unwrapped computer clearly stolen yes. to the bride yes. here and he's like, hey, I got one of these myself. It got such a good write-up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and, like, everyone who's any one of this, of this mob group is kind of at this wedding. Uh, they're all, you know, even Livy is there. She's yeah. <laughs> immediately goes to Larry like, you're still fucking that girl who's not your wife? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Even in that, it's like, no, we have to literally usher you away at this point, Livia. This is not even a joking matter. This is like, what the, f- what the yeah. fuck are you doing? We're at a wedding. She calls him darling. and so I mean, he calls her darling. So she's like, that's right. All right. I'll let me up the ante. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the capo guy, uh, Larry is like, look, I know we're at a wedding. I know that there's this thing, but I've got something I'm freaked out about. I'm going to talk to you all about it later. And, yep. you know, they do the, the, the toasts and whatever, but then word is spreading around this wedding uh, and they are fretting about the impending uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
FBI <laughs> investigation into them. Someone knows yeah. someone who knows of someone who has an in at the FBI and apparently the hammer's coming down soon. They're doing uh, indictments. It's all pretty hush-hush, yes. but they're like all, you know, chatting to each other, freaking out about it and eventually get into like <laughs> this little huddle. Yes. Uh, Christopher as well, it's worth pointing out, like while they're all kind of going like, hey, well, rumors, rumors. Uh, Christopher's like, damn, they're gonna want me. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm one of the guys. I'm a, I'm a made guy. Yeah. He's saying yeah. this other person. They're like, are you? Did you get made? And he's like, no, but yeah, but I was, I'm about to be. I did this thing. It was really good, you know. Like, surely, I'm, you know, I'm one of the guys. It's on its way. And so they form this little <laughs> yeah. huddle with uh, Junior and all the Carpos and uh, what's his name, Michael? Is that the? Uh, Junior's guy. Oh, Mikey Junior's like second. Mickey. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. And they all have. Uh, I think Mikey. Yeah, the, Mikey. That's it. And so <laughs> they're all talking. Uh, Junior's being undercut in this huddle as well. Everyone's kind of going, Tony, what should we do? And he's like, I just fucking told you what to do. I'm Junior. I'm the leader. We don't worry about mm. it. And Tony's like, Yeah, what Junior said. But Junior, I'm sure the next thing you were going to say is that we should probably do some spring cleaning while we can, right? And he's like, Yeah. Of course I was going to say that next. Yeah, I was literally, you just interrupted me saying that. Come on, like, what are you talking about here? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, they're all pretty certain that this is coming. They, they flee from this wedding. They, they completely yeah. ruin it. They get the fuck out of there. They, the bride is they crying. They fuck the wedding, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they are, they, there's a bit of them having fun. Like the lead up to this. Right. Is like, yeah, there's a bit of Larry being like, hey, i got to talk to you later, but we don't even know what it is at that point. And then it's like, hey, these guys are hanging out. It's like a big family. It looks like a really fun time, genuinely. It looks like a nice wedding, but uh, once again, they, you know, their priorities lie with business first, uh, even over the thing that they would say is first, which is family. Right. Yes. Spot on. Uh, so they go home, Tony and Carmella, and they start packing up all their illegal shit. They got a bunch of cash in the vents. They got guns. And uh, Meadow sees this and picks up on what's going on. She's like, get rid of your computer, like, wipe it. The feds are coming. He's like, why? You've got pornography on there, <laughs> Anthony Jr. And he races <laughs> he, over to the computer. Yeah. He, like, d- competes in the long jump. He, like, gets four meters from one side of the room to the other. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Just but, starts um, wildly typing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Dear- I felt I... Computer repairman, uh, can you come around here? <laughs> <laughs> I found this scene with Tony and Carmela kind of, kind of darkly funny, right? Like it's them uh, putting a increasingly large series of guns into a duffel <laughs> right. bag, and it's like it it really crosses the line into you know Goodfellas or something, where you're like, this is serious mob shit, Carmela. Really, like, you know, she said before, she's admitted, like, I've bought into this life. Um, But as we see her load a shot, a pump-action shotgun into a duffel bag, it really drives it home. She doesn't seem phased by it either, does she? She's taking this in stride. Other than the fact that she finds out that her engagement ring may have been stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. So then we get, you know, some shots of the other people doing the same. There's helicopter noises and Pussy is burning a bunch of files. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Christopher is sitting at home on a big 90s laptop trying to write out a, his <laughs> little script that he's working on for uh, his big mob movie that he wants to make. We know he's into movies. We saw him go, holy shit, that's Martin Scorsese at a nightclub. Yes, 
Yes, yes. But uh, um, can I read you verbatim what he's written down so far that we get a shot of? Please do. Uh, chip, all lowercase. Yes, no full stop. <laughs> Rocco, I thought I was dayed, but I managed to get the drip on him. This man Fuck yes. is a hell of a writer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, you know, I don't want to make fun of any real problems that Chris might have, but he's fictional. And the, yes, the script is, is also called is. Made Man. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some um, unspecified computer shit happens to the script and it and it all deletes itself somehow. And <laughs> Adriana comes in and she's like, it got stored in the backup RAM or some shit that doesn't happen. <laughs> No, I, she said like buffer memory or something. I think it's like that doesn't ex- like that's in no way related to this. It's very funny to be <laughs> writing a scene about someone writing a bad script and then have Adriana say it got deleted into the buffer memory. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's get uh, got the drip on him, but for computers. Um, yeah, and just like having the the sound effect every time he touches a key. Yeah, yeep, it's very yeep, like yep. Yeep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> he yells at the computer and calls it an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they- but um, Adriana's very proud of him. Like when the- when he settles down, she is like, "You've been so focused on this thing. I've never seen you apply yourself to anything like it before." I assume because she's never seen him apply himself to being a mob henchman, which he, like you said, he is apparently very good at. Mm. He's he's passionate, but he's very, you know, he's a good soldier and. He's a dedicated writer. He, he loves the movies. Right. And like, yeah, exactly. Some people who don't trust easily do trust him in the mob. So yes. he, he's, he's got a place there. And yeah, him and Adriana, she's very sweet. She's like, yes. hey, look, this sucks. And here's how you fix a computer. And look at you, Tennessee Williams. I'm proud of you. She's very yeah. supportive. Uh, and that's nice to see. He's got, they out of every, like, you know, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of the two of them, but we do mm. see, at least between uh, Tony and Carmella, we've seen a lot of conflict there. They're the main characters, of course, we have, but like, it makes sense. They got a lot of conflict in their marriage and stuff. And this mm-hmm. seems nice. Totally. She, I think they have a good dynamic because she does make fun of him a bunch. Yeah. And he doesn't get pissed off and he doesn't get his hackles up. You know, the time when he was like coming out of the hospital and he thought people were trying to kill him and she was like, oh, they hiding in the bin. Right. You know, and in, and here she's sort of making fun of his spelling a little bit, but she's helping him at the same time. Uh, I, I agree. I think it seems like a relatively good relationship. Um, one of the great... One of the all-time great lines of The Sopranos is in this scene when Christopher says, that smell in Blockbuster, that candy and carpet smell I get high off. Yeah. It's, he, uh, he loves uh, the movies. <laughs> but he likes Blockbuster as well, especially like not just going to the cinema, not the silver screen. He's like, he likes Blockbuster, which makes sense. He's probably going getting VHS tapes a whole bunch. All the time. Uh, man, yeah. I used to back then. I'd have, I'd have gotten the VHSs of The Sopranos if I could have back in the day. Totally. Uh, Me too. I also used to get high off the smell of candy and carpet. And everything I've written is fucking terrible as well. So (laughs) I'm Christopher, basically. Um, But yeah, also Adriana's like, look, the script, whatever, you know, I'm glad that you're applying yourself, but should we not be maybe packing up your illegal shit? Isn't that computer stolen? Uh, Right. And he's like, ah, but uh, the the other guy from the Bada Bing, I don't know his name. That like mm. this guy's very funny. There's a scene with him later on that I like a lot. 
Oh, the taller, the t- really tall guy? The kind of big guy. He calls him Chris I- up and tells him to turn on the news. And um, I think it's Georgie. I think it's Georgie. That sounds right. If it's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Chris turns on the news and there's a report about, hey, the FBI is about to, you know, take down some of this mafia stuff. They've got indictments going. We cut to Melfi, who's also watching this. And there's right. um, some mafia expert guy who's been writing a long running soap opera about the mafia in the show. Yeah, that guy had a weird voice. That's what I remembered about him. He also like <laughs> the the reporter. Let me let me just go back a little in the episode so I can get this exactly because I, right, she's like America's longest running soap opera writer Jeffrey Winnick. He's uh, welcome here. For years, the FBI has been telling us that the mafia is all but dead, uh, and she's clearly leading into a question. And he goes, "Let me interject." <laughs> Let me interject. She's clearly about to ask a question of like, is that actually the case? And he's like, right. Shut the fuck up. That's not the case. I'm going to talk over you to finish your sentence and I'm going to disagree. Yeah. I'm actually, I got the script up of this episode and all of the episode scripts are online, which has been very helpful for me getting that uh, opening line perfect in the intro. Um, But yes, Jeffrey Wernick, America's longest running soap opera. I don't mafia. know. I don't think it's yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So um, maybe that's something we're going to come back to or like they're setting up in this episode so that if they want to have some parallel bullshit happening on a TV show, they've established yep. that there is a TV show about the mafia in this world. Yeah, 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 possibly. Uh, and also Tony and Carmela are watching this report as well. They're talking about how Junior's the new boss and... Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be exactly what's going on. The news is telling the truth. Yes. Uh, and everyone's looking kind of stressed out by it, as you can imagine. And then they're talking about Brendan. Yes. Oh, I think uh, also, um, I don't think I knew that Junior's real name was Corrado, which I found out from this right. uh, news thing. Ju- Corrado Junior Soprano. I don't know if we've heard Corrado yet. Yeah, we may not have. And then we hear it a bunch in this episode yes uh so yeah christopher is not really stressed out by the news that the fbi might be coming to raid them but Mm. pretty annoyed that brendan seems to now be the famous mob figure rather than him he keeps checking like did you watch from the beginning did did they say my name at any point he's (laughs) really keen to uh, be somebody in the eyes of both the actual people in the mafia like I, it, it makes sense. He's he's uh, ambitious, obviously, but he's uh, concerned with it to the point of being um, petty. Yeah, it's it seems um, narcissistic or like self-centered or something. It's just like he's just like I want to be famous too. I want to be on the news. They call yeah. They call um, Brendan an associate of the Soprano family, right? Which, uh, on top of Christopher not getting mentioned, he's like, fucking associate? He was a friend of mine. Right. Like, what are you... It, yeah. I brought him in. Uh, yes. And now the show's bringing in Melfi's extended family. We meet... Yeah, um, so I love ha- I love this episode, yeah. but I did not like this aspect of it. I understand why it's there to, uh, to represent an alternative perspective on this. Um, maybe it's just the performances I wasn't into. Obviously, I love um, Lorraine Bracco as Melfi, but... I felt like this was the weaker of the plot lines. I, I did like it in so much as what it's doing in the script, which is to talk to the audience about a thing. Uh, there's probably some mm. script writing 
term for it that I don't know and I should buy a script program on my 90s computer and learn it. But yes, uh, yeah, it is clearly a direct like argument being made to the audience or like a qualification being made to the audience Mm. of like, Mm -hmm. hey, we know that this isn't Italians that we're talking about. Right. And that's basically the discussion that her family is having her. What was he, 19-year-old son who looks like uh, mm-hmm. the Weezer guy? What's his name? Cuomo? <laughs> Rivers Cuomo? Rivers Cuomo, yeah. Well, he's in college. Yeah, he's probably 19 then. Yeah, he's um he's gone off to Bard College, which I don't know. I think that's in New York. Yeah, Shakespeare College in New York. Here's an alternative mm-hmm. joke for that. Uh, <laughs> Bard College, uh, I rolled for Paladin College. Uh, very nice. Thank you. Very nice stuff, yeah. Uh, here's an alternative joke for that. Uh, Bard College. No, no, I got banned from there. Bard from, yeah. Okay, Bard College, I prefer. Yeah. Bard College, I prefer Lisa College. Nice. I'd be like Lita College. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. (laughs) Hoda. (laughs) (laughs) No, this isn't the Game of Thrones podcast, Knox. Oh, sorry. Uh, So, yeah, they uh, it's It's using this family in this scene as kind of a. Uh, excuse to have this conversation that I think is an interesting conversation of like how average uh, like Italian families feel about their representation because mm. the reason they're having this is because Melfi kind of lets it slip to them like hey that guy on the news <laughs> yeah I'm kind of maybe he's a patient she doesn't specifically say who but yeah 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 what she what does she say she drops oh yeah because the son says uses. Uh, very awkwardly, yeah. a bit of Italian slang. Yeah. Or, or anti-Italian slang, I think it is. He says Ginza, it's short for Guinea. Guinea is, yeah, a derogatory term Yes. Uh, about Italians. Specifically, I think, Italians in the mob. That's I guess maybe that's the only place I've seen it used, you know, the departed and stuff like that. I'd assume that it's a specific region of Italy or something, or who knows? I don't... Who, yeah. I don't yeah, go in sure. for that sort of stuff, me. Not me personally. Mm. Not really into mm-hmm. slurs. Other than that's brave, just with brave of you. General speech that I'm doing, I sometimes slur that. Yeah, I don't yeah. have the couple of beers. Diction all yeah, the time, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're kind of having to talk about that, and they're like the her. So her ex husband is there, her parents, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah, their son, and um, he the the husband or the ex husband is very much of the you shouldn't treat this guy. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. This guy is not only a, a, a plague to the representations of Ant- uh, Italian Americans everywhere, but also just personally, you shouldn't be endorsing this by helping him out. Yeah. This guy calls it moral relativism bullshit. He's like, this guy's definitely evil and you're definitely good. That's going to come right. up. <laughs> and so there's no middle ground. I think maybe I just didn't like this guy. <laughs> I, I find him annoying. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of fourth wall breaking stuff as well because he's like, he's, he says earlier like, huh, Italian male seeing a shrink. Let me guess, mother issues? Right, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, okay, I guess. And they're talking yeah. about it directly related to being in the movies. They're like, Goodfellas, Godfather. Mm. That's why there'll never be an, American, an Italian-American president. But then the granddad is like, all right, but like you never see the Scotch Irish complaining about cowboys and in, like it's it's not like it's not beating around the bush with talking directly to us about what they're discussing. 
Totally, yeah. Because the sun is like, what about westerns? You know, yeah. like they are a classic part of American cinema, as are mafia movies. Like it is an identity. It's something to hang your hat on to an extent. And we see that repeated several times in this this episode of the nature of identity and representation being tied so closely together. And in some ways for some people, positively. Especially for Christopher. Because he yes. clearly has <laughs> reverence for the movies, uh, as is shown in the, the next scene with another shot of his script. Uh, in this part of the script, we get, Beautiful girl, thank you, with three exclamation marks. Chip, I must be loyal to my capo. <laughs> it's uh, a very confusing script so far. But he gets a call from Tony, yep. who's like, you got to come fucking down here. We're, we're doing our shit. We're cleaning house. Come mm-hmm. down and pick up some pastries on the way. Yes. Yeah. And Chris is like, I'm busy. Yeah. I'm busy here writing a script about the mafia. I'm smoking and looking at a cursor, which is actually <laughs> what you do to write. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so he goes down to this deli with like plastic windows for some reason. Yeah. I, yeah. Th- that, I, I, that really confused me. I don't know if this is like a New Jersey thing or if this is a common thing that we just don't see here, but all the tops of these windows are like rolled up plastic. Yeah, is it, it could be... Is it a, the fact that it's like prob- a, an empty building that was a set? Like, did they make this? I don't. I honestly don't know. Maybe it is a Jersey thing. I don't know. Yeah. Our New Jersey listener, please l- let us know if this is uh, just real. Is it a common thing? Because it doesn't look... I mean, it look. It doesn't look like it's going as far as to be like. It reminds me of the body bag, but yeah. I don't think that that is necessarily intentional here. I think it's just a place. But so Chris waits mm. waits for ages and ages, and it's his turn. And then some other guy comes in who the uh, pastry guy clearly knows, cuts yeah. the line, and well, or like the 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 uh, server guy, like yes. asks him to cut the line. Their friends. Chris totally. does not like it. Nah, he's already sort of bubbling away and he's yeah. in a bit of a bad mood and he's, you know, he's it gets he, he comes across as the kind of guy who just doesn't like waiting his turn anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, dude, and again, part there's of like the- three people in front of him. So it's like, how long have you been waiting? Seven minutes? It has these like fade out, fade in cuts yes, between them yes. as well as though heaps of time has passed. But yeah, it's, it's a bakery. It can't be that long. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, he is doing another part of the writing process, which is going and angrily ordering a lot of pastries at a bakery. <laughs> but uh, he is especially angry here. He, like, ushers this new, new guy out of the uh, shop and he's like, get the fuck out of here. Come back in 10 minutes. And then he whips out a gun and threatens this guy. He's like, give me the fucking cannolis and I'll leave the gun. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gets them and then shoots this guy in the foot. A lot like how Spider gets shot in the film Goodfellas. Very, very um, astute pickup there, Knox. That's the kind of stuff you don't get anywhere else. Other than that sort of linkage. Uh, maybe IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the biggest um, movie. But yeah, but yeah he, he fucking unnecessarily shoots this guy in the foot. He shoots three shots, two Completely. into the roof and one into the foot. Which, yeah, none of this is necessary, especially in context of the, the you know, the indictments coming down. Everyone's trying to be subtle. Everyone's on the down low. They're not right. going big. They're not, they haven't shut down, like, you know, they said at the start, but they are cleaning house. They, Tony called it an extermination. They, they're, you know, they're getting the bugs. They're getting rid of the bugs. Quite literally, there are any bugs. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, that's right. They do say that at the wedding. Like, it, the idea of, like, do we fucking shut up for a while gets floated. And Junior's immediately like, no, we can't not do business. Right. Um. So they, yeah, they keep him running as normal, but quietly, basically. Uh, yeah, they don't want someone shooting a random person in the foot. Yeah, so Christopher shows up with the... With the pastries And he's angry Tony gives him shit He's like What I called you last Christmas And he throws the pastries Down on the pool table And Paulie comes <laughs> Running over He's like Whoa What are you doing <laughs> You're gonna wreck the Respecting pastry. the laws Of the game it's, And the pastry It's so funny He like Speeds into frame Grabs them really tenderly And then Goes out Right by the camera It's Fuck Paulie's good yeah, I, I bet 100% that those were real pastries that he was going to eat, the actor. <laughs> I'm 100% convinced. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, after after giving him, uh, you know, a bit of shit, Tony is as nice to him as he can be in this sort of situation. Or not as he can be, but, you know, he's bravado nice. He sort of grabs right. his head and he's like, hey, this is no time to get on the rag. You know, yep. that's yep. being that's giving guidance. In this situation Sure Sure He's trying to be helpful But he's like Go with Georgie into the bathroom And sweep for bugs Um <laughs> Paulie looks so mad at him For throwing those pastries And they're crawling around On the bathroom floor Being disrespected He's with this fucking This like dropkick Georgie He's <laughs> Yep He's like this softly spoken Like kind of dumb guy Who's like What? They didn't mention your name on TV You're gonna be fine that was crazy hearing the words Brendan Filoni on the TV, wasn't it? Oh, the Georgie, the- you don't... It's like you specifically are trying to trigger his anxieties and insecurities. What are you doing, <laughs> yeah. Georgie? Because Christopher's like, yeah, well, I fucking, I'm the guy who brought him here. Tony would have never known him if it wasn't for me. And Georgie's like, I had no idea about that. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Georgie's like reverse exposition guy. Yeah, he's like, he just he like asks all the leading questions. He sets up all the responses. Yeah, and so now Tony and Carmela are hatching their little plan. They got a good plan here of where to hide all their oh, shit. Yes, yes. Uh, they're around at um, uh, the retirement home with uh, Livia there, and she's reading the obituaries again. She's got a paper <laughs> right up in her hell. face on the obituaries page. Yeah. Carmella shows up and she's like, who is it? I'm sleeping. And Carmella's <laughs> like, it's Carmella. And she's like, oh, okay, come in. I just did it so one of the fucking bitches around here wouldn't come inside. Mm. I don't know which one. It's that snooty ass Mrs. Ryan down the hall. <sighs> and they, they and then she throws another slur at her and all this stuff. But so Carmella's like, come on, let's go to brunch. And Livy's like, what's wrong? What's the problem? What's the panic? I'm panicking. Carmella mm. can't get her out of there. She keeps going like, did Tony cheat on you? What's happening? Are you tr-? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and eventually she's like, oh, okay, if you don't shut up, I'm not going to take you to this nice place. And then yeah, when yeah. Livy hears that it's the good place, like with those uh, biscuits or whatever, she's like, okay. I'll- but again, she's not easily fooled. She does immediately understand that something, you know, a covert is attempting to be done here. Right. And she's right. Yeah, because Tony like... Has his seat flat so Olivia won't see him, and then pops up when she's gone. <laughs> some uh, some music starts playing, and we get a little montage of Tony hiding the shotguns and the money and all of that in uh, Livia's little like uh, storage boxes. She's mm. got like old hats and clothes and shit in these storage boxes here, and you'd imagine 
they know that she never looks through them or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to be pretty damn sure if you're putting a shotgun in them. Yeah, yeah. I think in my memory of this episode, they were like, they put them up in the, you know, the crawl space or something, but no, no, no. No, just in the bottom of the boxes covered up by the clothes. I mean, worst case, if Livia does find them, she'll be shitty about it, but she won't be. She knows the deal. That's true. That is true. So I guess, like, you know, worst that's going to happen is she'll yell at Tony, but she's not exactly going to go to the FBI with this shit. So, yeah, I guess it's good. Uh, But yeah. Let's get back to that gabagool. Tony's back at Melfi's office afterwards and telling her, like, hey, I might go on a holiday. I don't know when. I don't know if. But I might go on a uh, bit of a holiday. Yeah. Uh, Initially, it seems like she genuinely doesn't understand. She's like, what? So you don't know if you're going on a holiday? Yeah. But very quickly, she's like, is this to do with the stuff on the news? And if you don't show up, I should assume you're on holiday and wait to be contacted. And he's like, that's a good Mm. assumption, I would say. Yeah. 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 Uh, Meanwhile, Christopher is still stressing about his writing, it looks like, or just generally stressing. He's a bit depressed. Mm -hmm. Paulie's around at his house and the house is uh, somewhat of a mess. Yes. Not. Yes. I wouldn't say... As bad as it can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Christopher hasn't been in lockdown for six months, so no. he doesn't know what is. Yeah, He's but it's you know, it's just it's it's like a guy who you know was like fucking around last night and went to bed and then got up. Right. Yeah. He's got like one pizza box, a couple of beers, mm. uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but so Paulie but Paulie's comes there in. to. To cheer him up, right? Like, it seems like this has been communicated that, you know, Christopher's not in a good mood. Yeah. Um, bring some girls around. Let's go out. Let's hit the town. Um, cheer him up. That's it. Paulie's like, I thought we were going out. Get dressed. What's wrong with you? And he's like, they're saying you, kid. What's going on here? Talk to me. Mm. And really does look for him to open up to him. Like Totally. When we see these scenes of these, you know, forcing themselves to be tough guy men, trying to connect with each other. I think they're well-written. This show knows how to do Mm. uh, pulled-in, cloistered-up men. Absolutely. And I think of all of them, because I think, I don't know if it already happened the scene with Big Pussy, where they just sort of going back and forth, um, Big Pussy and Christopher sort of on the situation. That's a fun scene. They put some music behind it. They do this technique. They don't really do a lot in The Sopranos of... Um, just over-the-shoulder shots, like just medium shots of two people doing dialogue. Uh, very rapidly, they cut between them, so they make it out like it's a very fun scene. You know, it feels like Tarantino or something. Right. But um, this scene with Paulie, uh, Paulie is surprisingly empathetic. Yeah. As in a, the performance, it feels like this guy who, I think we mentioned it maybe in the, the first episode of this, that the guy playing Paulie, Tony Sirico, was in the mob. He went to jail and he, I don't know how he got brought into being an actor. Maybe he was a consultant initially, one of those things where it's like, look, this guy was in the mob and um, we need someone to tell us if this is real or not. But whatever the case may be, he was in the mob. And it is, I think, even more surprising that he is so empathetic as a character. He, yeah. he feels like a very warm kind of guy. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Because Paulie yeah, yeah. says here, they start talking about arcs, and Paulie, Paulie's saying, like, okay, I get you writing your script. How much do you have? And Chris is like 19 pages out of like 120, it's meant to be. Yep. yep. And Paulie's like, okay, be careful because that writer guy blew his head off. <laughs> so, like, he's being 
blunt, but he is right. sort of trying to be like, hey, just make sure you're looking after yourself, kind of. But it's very, very funny that yeah, Paulie's reference for a rider is Hemingway, right? Yeah, <laughs> like the bullfighter guy, ago. that guy with the bullfights. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, but you know, Paulie's like kind of pushing him to be like, hey, Chris, you're not, you're not right here. What's going on? And they start talking about arcs. Polly doesn't right. get it at first, but he sits down, he engages with Chris, and mm. he's properly listening to him, which I really yes. liked. I Like, he's genuinely yeah. being a shoulder to lean on. Yes. And Chris is like, I don't have a fucking arc. You know, a character starts here, they end up here. I've got nothing. And Polly's like, I don't have an arc. I went to the army, mm-hmm. I went to jail, and now I'm here. What of it? So what? Yeah. I, yeah. He says some line that's like, yeah, I didn't. I, I had some bad shit happen to me, uh, but I'm still here. I'm surviving. Uh, yeah. Like, yes. Exactly. Because because Christopher doesn't want to just survive. And yeah, exactly. That's what uh, Christopher's problem is. Is it's 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 not enough for him. They start trying to like. Chris is explaining devil's advocate to Paulie here, and Paulie has the mm-hmm. most thoughtful face on. Just really analyzing Keanu Reeves in Devil's Advocate <laughs> yes. here. It doesn't quite understand yes. it. So he's like, he doesn't get what Chris is saying, but he does respect that, hey, okay, I get that this is a big deal for you. So I'm telling you, hey, maybe it's maybe it's okay to just be a guy. Yes. And to just exist. But I get that that's not enough for you. So let's try and blow this off and we'll try and have a good time in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah, he calls himself, yeah, he says, uh, I was born, I grew up, spent a few years in the army, a few more in the can, and here I am, a half a wise guy, which is just great. That's 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 totally poorly. And it's enough for him, right? And that, yeah, like we've said yes. a few times now, it's just not enough for Chris. He goes into more detail with that later, but right now he tells Paulie about the dream, and it cuts to Big Pussy answering the same question. Uh, so he's, you know, he's going to all his, his confidants, I guess, with these problems and he's like hey pussy i'm having these dreams about this guy and pussy's like yeah that happens that's normal the more killings you'll do the fewer dreams you'll have exactly yeah this is the scene i was talking about before and yeah he says something like you know i had a guy chasing me through my dreams for months but yeah you (laughs) you keep killing yeah and the the guilt fades away but chris pushes the point that he thinks he fucked up and he enlists georgie to go and dig up the body and move it is, is their yes. solution. It's really gross. The beard has grown and the nails have grown. I didn't yep. know that was something that happened. But evidently it does. And, yes. Uh, yeah, they, they move this body for some reason. This doesn't seem necessary, but Chris is being a bit paranoid about it. So this is the step that he takes to try and ease his mind. Yeah. Uh, do we? Does, do they actually move it? I don't think we see it, right? I think they but say. Maybe, I guess he says something like, "Let's move this before they build a condo here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it yeah. then leads into Melfi and her ex-husband talking about selling some property where they get that they're going to develop into you'd assume condos. So all the little cuts are going nicely into each other here. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Harold format. Um, so the you know they're still disagreeing. That yes. she's like, I always thought we would build a house here, and he's like, I always thought we sell it. Uh, and they have more back and forth about you should get rid of uh, this uh, this this dude that you're uh, seeing as a patient. Yes. Uh, then we get. A really, really nice shot. We move over to Tony. 
standing in front of a fence and he's got a train coming towards him from behind and the camera tracks the train as it as it passes along behind Tony, spins around his face, looking concerned, and Chris pulls up in his uh, in his Lexus there. It's so it's yes. such an unnecessary bit of effort to put into this shot, but it looks really nice and uh, I, I like seeing that that quality and that attention to detail and stuff is it sets the show apart from others, especially at the time. Having that very cinematic shot there for for no real, you know, purpose. I don't know if there's some th- meaning behind it. Like, hey, even a, you know that Tony's brain is a train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's that. Uh, I think it's this episode as well that had another shot that uh, I've forgotten specifically what it was, but it did stick out as being particularly thoughtful and cinematic. I think this episode is my favorite so far. I think it everything about it, the intertwining of plots, as you just said, the plot itself, like mm. I find the indictment stuff really is starting to ramp up and, and yeah. become an interesting sort of external conflict or external pressure. Um, yeah, all the character stuff has been great. The writing's good. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a really good episode. And I really like this scene that we get now between Tony and Christopher yeah. driving along. Christopher's driving. As soon as Tony gets in, he like punches Christopher in the side of the head and he's like, what yep. the fuck is wrong with you? Chris is like, I'm not feeling great. And Tony says, well, I wipe my ass with your feelings. So <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Yeah. But they, yeah. they start having a discussion, a very awkward discussion where (laughs) yeah it's so awkward (laughs) fucking tony oh man they're kind of trying to open up to each other tony's like fuck you you shot this guy in the foot we don't need that kind of attention right now what's wrong with you and tony you know yells at him for a bit but eventually it calms down and christopher says that he thinks the regularness of life is too fucking hard for him and i like that line a lot and i like that that is Christopher's clearly depressed. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, something. I'm not a psychiatrist, <laughs> but if I were, I would tell yes. him he's depressed. And then he I'm would say, what are your credentials? I'm going to stop calling you Dr. Adam. <laughs> you keep telling me I have to refer to you as Dr. Adam, but I thought you were a psychiatrist, to be honest. I just say that to get dirt on people. <laughs> There's no confidentiality um, here. But yeah, they're, they're, he's saying this stuff that Tony picks up on because Tony has heard the professional opinion of someone when they get told these symptoms. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting scene because I didn't necessarily come out of it thinking Christopher was like clinically depressed. Like no. you're right, the, the line that he starts off with is like an absolute key signifier of, you know, generalized depression. Being, finding normal life too hard is like, well, that's, what, when you do have depression, that's how you feel. Yeah. But this may not be the proof that Christopher is depressed. He can just feel this way as well. So it's an interesting way to lead into this. And it does spark Tony, uh, his sort of parroting of the medical diagnoses that he's uh, he's been hearing. But he's hiding it, you know. Yes. And the, it, the, it's such a great job from both of them and from the writing in this of him trying to see if Christopher's okay without giving away that he is or was not. You know, right. like, yes, he's like, I bet you're sleeping all the fucking time, huh? You idiot. <laughs> like, it's basically that just going like, oh, yeah, oh, fuck you. What are your symptoms? <laughs> Trying to be <laughs> tough. Uh, yes. And Christopher says it's the only thing he still enjoys. 
Tony pushes mm-hmm. a little bit more and they, they have this back and forth about it. Christopher thinks he has cancer because Paulie was sad. When, I mean, because uh, um, Jackie was sad Jackie, when he was dying. Yeah. Yeah. But so Tony kind of tries to go, hey, you know, have you thought about. He doesn't say if you thought about talking to someone, but he's pushing in right. the direction of maybe this is a mental health issue. And Christopher pushes back against that and goes, Prozac is bullshit. Talking to <laughs> someone is bullshit. He says, I'm no fucking mental midget is the words that he says. Yep. And all of these <laughs> shitty things that he's saying about their point of view, you know, that that world's point of view on um, the, the, the world of psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. Obviously hits Tony because yeah he goes to try to light a cigarette backwards. He's very flustered by this whole thing, and he's he's yeah being directly uh, having it confirmed that exactly his, yeah right his thoughts on on what how people will react to this are accurate. One hundred percent. Christopher is saying everything that he said to Melfi. People would say he's literally saying you're weak. You're an idiot. Exactly. You can't be trusted. You know all of that stuff, and yeah, he Tony's been vulnerable with Melfi so many times, and he was being vulnerable in this moment in as guarded a way as you know possible. Right. But it um it it fucking hits him. He's really clearly upset. Um, and I think it's an interesting angle on Christopher as well because yeah, like I said, he's saying these things that are like really clear red flags for depression. And then he's contradicting them or he's saying, like, no, that's not me. And it's hard to tell if he's just putting up a front and, and you know, putting bravado out to Tony because that's what ex- is expected. Or yeah. if, he is, if he is more just like, no, I've been a bit upset lately, but I'm not, like, in that bad a way. It's, it's hard to tell. I think he is putting up the front. It seems that way, that they're both putting up fronts. And if they both just fucking cut it out, they'd be fine. But... Right. Neither of them's going to take that first leap because Tony's like pretending he's yeah. heard about serotonin on TV and shit like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, but as close as they can while keeping their guards up, they kind of have a decent conversation about it, sort of. I mean, that ends with them joking about like a bunch of fucking losers blowing their brains out in the bathroom, huh? <laughs> Ridiculous. So they're trying, but their fronts are getting in the way of them dealing with this stuff. Yeah, but I think the start of that conversation is enough to give Christopher the sense that Tony would be open to speaking about it. Tony does come across that way, I feel yeah. like. So it's um they're doing their best. I think they're both reassured by the end that or at least Christopher is reassured that Tony is there for him. And mm. I don't know if Tony feels like he's helped. I think he certainly feels like he has to keep his fucking mouth shut about the the seeing a psychiatrist as much as he can. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Um, meanwhile, Anthony Jr. is playing a little bit of uh, Blast Core in the Nintendo 64. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is a great game. <laughs> He's hitting the buttons way too hard to be doing anything on the screen, but good for him. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and the FBI shows up to Tony's house. Yes. I recognize this guy. I don't know maybe if it's just from The Sopranos, but um, I thought it was a good performance for uh, you know as little as he got to do. Right. Yeah, the, the main FBI guy is like, look, do this sensibly. You've got kids in the house. We're not going to be knocking you out or anything, but we've got a warrant. Let us search a house. Yeah, And they do it. Tony and the whole family are pissed off about it. Melfi's seen him not show up to his appointment. And, uh, you know, they take the computers. Meadow's got homework. They're smashing a bowl. Mm-hmm. Everyone's pissed off at each other. 
uh, it's a shitty experience for them, as you would imagine the FBI combing over your house would be, but it goes pretty smoothly for how, you know, it could have gone. Up until the point where the sort of offsider FBI guy is revealed to be an Italian. Right, yeah. That sets Tony off for some reason. He's like, fuck you, man. You're smashing my yeah. balls instead of smashing the FBI's balls. Yeah, yeah. Who are you? You've, you're betraying your people is basically what he's saying. Yeah. He's, he's really, really giving him a stink eye. Yeah. The guy's called Grasso as well, which like, fuck, if you want to be talking to the... You know, the law enforcement about Italians. Fucking name Grasso is yeah. about as on point as you can get. A grass. Is that what it is? He's a grass. Yeah, right. Yes, he's he's a snitch. So they're he's talking snitching. about it over a takeaway later that night because uh, I guess all of their food was in that bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. They're just having... They confiscated everything in the fridge, I guess. They can order a succulent Chinese meal if they want to. But so they're they talking probably didn't about have time to cook because there were bloody FBI's in the in the kitchen. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're having a talk about it, and it's kind of the opposite of the Melfi family talk. Yeah. Where yes. the Soprano family has a talk about like we should be proud of all of our Italian heritage. Everyone's against us Italians, and that's what gives us a bad name is that we already have this prejudice against us. Alexander Graham Bell didn't invent the telephone; it was this other guy. Here are all these other Italian people that they don't tell you about in school mm-hmm. because they already fucking hate us. And as far as I can tell, there's there's more than a kernel of truth to that. Yeah. Like the reason that the mafia exists is because it was sort of an inter-community police force. It was people taking care of each other, protecting each other. And yeah, there was fucking heaps of racism against Italians in America. If the system is set up so that you are being made, if so that it is preventing you from making money, what option do you have to come out on top of that system than by disobeying its laws? Absolutely. Yeah. It still exists in the real world today. It hasn't been solved in the last 20 ish years. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. that much time, but you know, like it's <laughs> they both sides of this have their point and they are you can you can understand it from yep. from how they're talking about it, you know. I I think so. I do. Well, I yeah, I think maybe the 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 ex-husband was not a a great performance or one that I found you know interesting. The writing of these two parallel plot lines is really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just having these families look at the camera basically and go, "Hey, mm. here's the first few point. Here's the second. Yeah. So then Tony goes back to uh, Melfi afterwards, and she's like, "Hey, you didn't show up last week, like you said." And he's like, "Yeah, how about that, huh?" Mm. She's like, "You know, because we agreed to this at the start. You still owe me the money for that, and that does not sit well with Tony." And his response is to uh, say, oh, you're just in this for the money, huh? How about I throw some money at you? Because that's what you are. You're a whore, is I believe his exact words and the way that he says it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's played by uh, Trey Parker in that scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, Melfi kind of stands her ground because obviously she's been having it in her ear that this guy's dangerous and then he like lashes out at her. Yeah, he stands over her, literally. He gets up and he looms over her. She she stands her ground as much as she can, and she's like, I don't appreciate being made to feel scared, and I don't think that this is appropriate, what you're doing here. And she's like, oh, this was the fucking agreement, dude, so whatever. He storms out. Mm. And then we get 
<laughs> this scene at the um, the uh, retirement home of just the most depressing thing I've ever seen. This is a great scene. I think this oh, is another man. reason why I love this episode. <laughs> this fucking comedian is on stage with his burgundy pants and his like check <laughs> jacket yeah. and his big yeah. fucking gross looking tie. Yep. And he's getting nothing. And his jokes are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are awful. They're very bad. Uh, he's doing impressions of Ed Sullivan and shit, and he's like, he was going to be a tree surgeon, but he found out the side of sap. He's got his arms spread out. He's like, all right, everybody, pace yourselves. Don't laugh all at once. <laughs> they hate it so much. He tells... He- Tonight on our show, we have Mitzi Gaynor, Sergio Frankie, and a woman from France who pull a string of light bulbs out of her husband's throat. This woman can relate. Yeah. His second joke good stuff. Is, is a combination of being anti-Polish and a rape joke, so good for him, man. Well, <laughs> you I think I saw this guy at a Melbourne Open Mic about four years ago. Uh, yeah, I think I was this guy at a Melbourne Open Mic about ten years ago. <laughs> but so... Uh, 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 Carrado... Which is apparently yes. his name. He's there. Yes. Talking to Olivia. And she straight away is like, you know, Tony's seeing a psychiatrist. And he's like, Ugh. a psychiatrist? And she's like, <laughs> I know, a psychiatrist. Like <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, this dude's uh. fucking playing harmonica on stage and doing his Ed <laughs> Sullivan impression. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're talking about Tony uh, seeing a psychiatrist. Junior seems like confused by it. I don't know if it's that he doesn't believe it or he's just not mm. accepting it or something. He seems to be struggling with the with what he's being told here. Yes. And again, she is like, because he had such a bad mother. He has to go yeah. out. You are fucking bad, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Junior knows now. And then, but at the end, Livia is like, I don't want there to be any repercussions. It's like, well, Ex- why yeah. did you tell someone about it? I guess she wanted to be, she probably wanted to be like, yeah, he's seen a psychiatrist, probably about his awful mother and wanted to have someone be like, no, no, you're not awful. Like, I can't, I guess, yeah, she's wanting to, I guess, personally um, fuck with Tony, but not professionally, I guess. I don't know if it's even real, the thing she's saying of not wanting repercussions either. I think that's her sure. doing her bullshit sure. where she's like, hey, I don't want any problems, but you all fucking suck and I'm the only one who's good here. Even if I do the same things that I make fun of other people for doing, make fun of. Viciously attack other people for doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Christopher again, he's at home. He gets a call on the answering machine from his mother. She's like, I'm worried about you. You're not answering my calls. They just mentioned your name in the newspaper and he springs out of bed. Yeah, this is the first time. So the idea uh, before, because this is the very end. Yeah, there was a couple of things that were interesting. One of them in the Livia scene is that Junior mentions that there might be a mole. They suspect there's a yes. mole within their organization. A couple of things have been a little too, you know, perfectly aligned, a little too coincidental. Um, so that's, I guess, a plot thing. There's a leak. They think there's a leak. Because that's the thing. The I other don't thing think that they're specifically saying a mole. They're saying something. Somehow it's getting out here. And so yeah. if that's the time that it gets brought up that Tony is talking to someone potentially about this stuff, well, now we got ourselves a, a rabbit hole to climb down. Exactly. And I think, yeah, the other thing, because Christopher sort of, his whole, he gets an arc in this episode and it sort of 
comes not full circle, but it reaches a certain crescendo. Yeah. Which might be sort of bad for him. But earlier in that conversation with Tony, I just remembered Tony sort of accuses Christopher of wanting to be caught. And that is right, the yes. whole that's the sort of middle point of this arc is that Christopher wants to be recognized for being a cool mafia guy. And then subconsciously, Tony's spot on. The way to do that would to be would be to get caught, and that is why he lashes out at that guy in the in the bakery. Right, and, and Tony's like, "I've seen this before. You're doing the exact same thing. Pull your fucking head in." I'm, I'm right. Yes, I completely skimmed over that. Um, and it's it's a common trope. It, it's it's a real thing. This isn't um, yeah murderers TV do it thing. all the it's, time, it's, right? It's it's a big thing with with serial killers. Um, they're doing they're doing the killings for a feeling of power, and they want that power to be recognized by society by getting caught. And yeah, in this case, it's just Christopher wanting to be recognized for 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 doing crime. <laughs> a very scary he- thing you hear said about serial killers is that there are many more active than people know about. And that most of the only ones who get caught are those ones who want to get caught because it's incredibly difficult to find someone if they're not in any way like attached to the person they've killed. It's a scary yeah, fact. Yeah, right. This isn't yeah, one of those awful. podcasts <laughs> <laughs> no. where we talk about that. So like you've got 75% of all existing podcasts to go through if you want to talk about that. But it just made me think of it yes. and I got panicked. So I had to get it out of my brain. Uh, but also, this technically is a true crime podcast now, which means it'll be really popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get one more little scene of uh, this family of Melfi's. The Melfi family, I guess. Or, well, no, her name <laughs> would be Melfi. That would be a name prior to the marriage to this guy. She's I don't know. But um, they're doing like family therapy with their own psychiatrist. And this guy right. sucks. <laughs> Yeah, he's so bad. But he again, this is what I was sort of um, mentioning before. Like, there is an element to the romance of these criminal lifestyles, um, ethnically speaking, that um, people find identity in and find, you know, um, some sort of positive angle to their life. It makes them feel more interesting. It makes mm. them feel like they have an arc, you know, that they're part of a storyline, like Christopher says. Right. Because this guy also tells Melfi, like, if I were you as a colleague, I would drop him. And the ex-husband is like, she finally admitted that she saw the other side of him. The subhuman side is the way he yeah. puts it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, she says that she was frightened and revolted at his actions and stuff. And um, she's like, what's wrong with all of you? When did we, be- you know, when hmm. when did we stop helping people out? Like, of course, this person has problems. I'm a psychiatrist. Right, right. And then this guy laughs at some joke he makes to himself or something. This guy yeah, just yeah. Is, seems like a not a great psychiatrist, but, you know, they kind of wrap not it up Not at all. There. Christopher runs over to this uh, newspaper stand thing, buys a paper, sees his name, tiny little small small part yep. in a big list of yep. names and he is so excited that he puts another quarter in the thing and takes every single newspaper in there yeah so that's that's the thing of with Christopher's arc is that i don't think that he's learned anything necessarily no. that's the that's the problem here uh all of these guys are getting reinforced um you know about the wrong things they they're getting 
sure they're getting support from each other, but at the end of the day, they are members of the mafia. Yeah. And it is they do think it's cool to be famous. And Christopher was depressed because he wasn't getting recognized for being a big bad gangster, and now he feels he has been recognized for being a big bad gangster, and that is the solution to him. Exactly, yep. There's yeah. no there's so, no internal progress being made at all. No, no. Uh yeah, good episode. Like I said, I think it's my favorite so far. It's very had a lot going on. It felt very cinematic. A lot of plot stuff that uh, I found exciting. And yeah, we just continue to drive these uh, these relationships forward. It's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm like it's so on on the on the binge. So in Australia, binge is uh, one of the streaming services that gets the HBO stuff, and uh, it's got the IMDb ratings for the episodes under the episodes on it. Oh. And this is the highest rated one behind College. Yeah, yeah. College was higher yeah. and uh, Denial, Anger, Acceptance, which is uh, the one where Tony was visiting Jackie in the hospital and where Brendan is killed at the end, episode four, right. yep. three. Um, that's equally rated. So mm. IMDB agrees with you, Ben. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did I mention my favourite movie is The Shawshank Redemption or The Dark Knight? <laughs> the two posters I have up in my man cave. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, great episode. I, I loved it. Me too, yeah. I'm I'm still enjoying the hell out of this show. Every episode is doing a good job for being like, when serialised shows of this nature weren't uh, common but yes. when, when this was coming out, it's doing a good job of keeping that serial nature going and having a self-contained episode as well that doesn't feel yeah. like um, uh, what were other serial shows have done, like Buffy or whatever. It doesn't feel soap opery, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. a Buffy where it's like a Monster of the Week thing and here's these couple of scenes furthering the overall plot. Totally. I think there was the... The X Files had like a similar thing going on. Right. I never. I. I don't think I watched a single episode of Sex and the City, but as far as I could tell, it was still very episodic. Yeah. Um, for being an HBO show, a prestige show, and uh, the Larry Sanders show, which was early nineties, um, had ongoing storylines, but it was a comedy. Right. So it sort of, uh, and it also was, yeah. It, it's had self-contained episodes where it was like focusing on an episode of the tonight show and the guests would come in and it would be like David Spade's uh you know conflict with Larry. Yeah. So it would be um it's probably closer to Sex in the City, yeah. Um but yeah, you're right. This is incredibly well balanced and um yeah, loving it so far. Same. So I guess we will talk to our listeners uh next week with we'll- episode 9. Boca. Yeah, Boca. Another classic episode with a very uh, memed and familiar element to it. Yes, this is the one that I remember from when I watched this f- f- fifteen years ago or whatever. Uh, yeah, when yeah. I watched, I watched like the first series, maybe, but I haven't remembered almost any of this so far. Mm, but mm. Uh, I definitely remember aspects of the next episode, <laughs> and um, we'll be going down to the bottom of the of it next week. We'll be, yeah. we'll be. Diving, Diving in. Diving deep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll be just making sure we really eat the pussy of that episode next week. 
Um, if you want to get in touch, gabagoolboys at gmail.com, especially if you uh, yeah want to talk about Boca, because we've actually already watched it, so you're not going to spoil it for us. Uh, gabagoolpod on Instagram is where you can um, yeah leave a comment or send a message as well. Uh, thanks to everyone who has. It's been super, super cool. Leave us a review on Apple uh, Podcasts if you use Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, share the podcast with a friend. Send it in yeah. a DM. Slide in and, and say, hey. The Sopranos recap podcast that's good is this one. Phrase it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Should I stop now or? Yeah, okay. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.